Hey, good morning and welcome to the ZP Vlog and Podcast. So we do this vlog and podcast every Sunday at 8am London time and we really try to use it as an opportunity to sort of um, wrap up news and information that ZP's put out there this week. So something that we did this week is we actually did a survey um, on the number of papers that have actually been published using our microbiosensors. Now the microbiosensors are something that I haven't overly spoken about on our vlog podcasts, um, on our webinars. Um, this is a sort of technology that we essentially we do have. Um, it, it was primarily developed for the neurosciences world. And what it involves is a little, um, we call them kind of capillary electrodes, these little thin electrodes with um, diameters of electrodes of something like 25 microns or 50 microns. Um, they're very small and they're used... Um, in a lot of, as I say, neuroscience um, studies. So they're sort of linked to molecules that are otherwise um, active in the brain. Um, so ATP is everywhere, adenosine, adenosine triphosphate is everywhere in the body. It's the sort of um, the fuel or the power of, of, of cells. And we've, um, we've got a biosensor for it. But what was um, pretty impressive for us was that actually... I mean, it has so far been used, at least in the papers that we did a quick search on in um, 36 papers. Um, so thank you to the ZP team for essentially discovering that fact. And we did put those papers out there as well on our um, on our blog so that people could kind of go down and see the research that is done with these types of um, sensors. And we also put a video out there as well so people can get a sense of um, how to use these um electrodes or microbiosensors um, in their studies. So some other news from ZP this week as well is um, it was just something that came up um, during one of our conversations. As you can appreciate at ZP, we do have a lot of technical conversations. Um, we have very strong scientists. We have very strong engineers. We have very strong engineers with a quality um, perspective on them because we are ISO 13485. And so then you do find yourself actually checking out the definition of very simple words like repeatability versus reproducibility. Now, you know, in spoken English, I just want to say hi to Ali. Nice to see you this morning, Ali. In spoken English, um, the word repeatable and reproducibility or reproducible are actually sort of inter interchanged, but they really mean something um, quite different. So if something's reproducible, Let's say you did an experiment in your lab and you wrote down the method files and the equipment that you used and you put it in a scientific paper. If somebody then tries to do that experiment again, they're trying to reproduce your experiment. So reproduction can suggest it's not, a, um, it's not the same person in the same lab necessarily on the identical equipment. They're trying to reproduce the experiment. Whereas if you're in a lab and you have a sensor set up, and you put the sensor into a sample, like say it's pH, and you get a you know you get a, a a signal. Then you put the sensor back into the same sample, and you get another signal, and then you put it in again. Now you're what you're doing is repeating. You're doing a repeated measurement, essentially on the same equipment, at, almost at the same time, um, on the same sample. So there is a you know clear definition of the difference between repeatability and reproducibility, and it's important because obviously people do come to us and say. Um, you know, we want 
you know, sometimes they use the term reproducibility when they actually mean repeatability. Sometimes they mean, they use the word repeatability when they mean reproducibility. So um, there's a little confusion in the use of this word, but at ZP, we always kind of, you know, when we find something interesting, let's say, and we, we realize, you know, that needs to be some definition of that. Um, part of the remit of Zimmer Peacock is to, you know, help the general biosensor community. And so we did put some information out regarding that. Um, as I say, as things come along during the week, uh, all these things are sort of relevant. You know, the question comes up, how many ATP papers, adenosine triphosphate papers using the ZP sensor out there? We find out, we put the kind of information out to the website. Is it clear that people understand the difference between repeatability and reproducibility when they're um, actually talking with these terms? And the answer is probably not actually. Um, some other news that we put out there this week as well. I what I like about the FoodSense, FoodSense is a technology from Zimmer and Peacock. Now, what it's doing is it's taking what we call kind of point of care or point of need technology. So, you know, a lot of diabetics in this world, unfortunately, you know, they have to um, test their blood glucose four times a day. You know, they prick their finger, they put a drop of blood on the glucose meter um, and very rapidly they get a result of their glucose and therefore they kind of know um how well to control it so um, most type 2 diabetics and type 1 diabetics are, you know are expected to do this as i say four times a day um slightly different matter but most type 1 diabetics are going on to cgm continuous glucose um, monitoring um but that said um at zp we do support a lot of clients in these kind of point of care point of need technologies but you'll also see that um, we're also taking this kind of technology and putting it into new applications. And so a new application, for example, would be measuring the hotness of um, chili sauces. Now this week, um, to help, like essentially help the clients, um, we've actually shown them how to test the hotness of a chili itself. Um, essentially, chili sauce is really just a blended up chili um, in some things like vinegar um, and oils. And so really, if you want to test the chili itself, it's really just a case of blend it up and put it into um, our buffer. But Solron just makes a good point in the video saying, um, in the video, she weighed out something like 0.2, sorry, 0. I think it was 28 grams of the chili. So therefore, I think she put in something like 28 mils of the buffer, 28 milliliters of the buffer. Um, she vortexed that together. Then she puts on a, drop onto the sensor itself and then measures it so what you can see is there that there's this bit of sample preparation but the actual measurement itself is very akin to a point of care and that's really the speciality one of the specialties at zimmer and peacock it's taking tests that otherwise were in um, a laboratory so the other way of measuring scoville heat units um, there's generally sort of four ways of doing it there's hplc high pressure liquid chromatography it's an expensive kit, it's hard to run, it's hard to maintain, you need quite a lot of training. And actually the results you get off it, especially in the measurement of capsaicin, um, they suffer from repeatability and reproducibility. They really suffer from it. So it's not actually that, let's say, um, accurate. Um, so HPLC is one way of doing it. Something called the Scoville panel is another way of doing it, where you have a group of people, they're all tasting the chili and you keep on diluting until they can no longer taste it. And the number of 
dilutions is used to calculate the Scoville heat unit. Um, the other way of doing it is people are just having one person in the building test it. Um, we we had a um, a demo recently where actually they even knew that they were shipping different batches out with different hotnesses. Um, and then the other way they're actually guessing. But in the video we show that actually you can um, prepare and measure these uh, chilies. Um, and for example, I think our assay, let's say, um, the measurement time is about um, 60 seconds. So it's um, pretty um, rapid, much lower cost than running HPLC. And I think in that example, Solron got about um, 90,852 Scoville heat units. But it's just an example really of we do what we say we do, you know, in terms of um, we don't we we say we develop point of care devices for people. Actually, you can see that we're also using it for doing food testing as well. But the nice thing about food testing is we can talk about it where most of the work that we would do for clients, as you can appreciate, is under CDA. That's confidentiality agreements and NDA non-disclosure agreements. Um, some other news from Zimmer Peacock this week is we do have our ZP developers, though. Um, ZP developer zone has got pretty long of recent. We've started even having to start the um, webinar slightly earlier of recent um, because in fact, um, last week, I think, you know, we, we ran for 50 minutes the week before it was something like 60 minutes. Um, so we do get a lot of questions in and um, we're quite happy to go through those questions. But as I say, there's a lot of those questions um, and we do it. So every week, um, we try to answer technical questions that come in from um, people really all around the world. Somebody wanted to make fabricate the screen printed carbon electrodes. Somebody wants to detect heavy metals. Somebody wants to make a wearable pH sensor. Um, somebody wants to make an immunosensor for sepsis and bacteria. Somebody else wanted to make um, a ORP, an oxidation reduction potential um, sensor. Some people wanted advice on gold electrodes. Um, cortisol is very popular. Um, we do say to people, if you want to be involved in the cortisol sensor, we really have to get into a big program together. Um, we also talked about, and I was very pleased with this question. We had a question come in from the YouTube channel about um, um, surface over potential, ohmic over potential and mass transfer um, over potential. So these are things that they're terms that are out there in the electrochemical industry, um, community and all these different terms, which actually mean the same thing end up really confusing people so we did try to um, put some clarity around that we also discussed easy flex and where the manuals and the startup guides were um, we did talk about a change in performance of a glassy carbon electrode um, and that was really quite an interesting question because in the end when we dug into it and the person had done some really excellent slides um, they're basically drop casting polymer onto the surface of an electrode I mean and if that polymer gets into the electrode it's going to turn it into rather mean a conductive surface and insulating surface. We did do a discussion on aflatoxins and we did do a discussion on analyzing chilies and we also um, talked about um, ENIG which is electronless nickel um, immersion gold and we also talked about um, sodium sensors as well our performance um, on sodium sensors so it took me a long time to just say all of that but that actually you know that's all the materials that we covered and we always kind of put in slides and try and put illustrations so it's not just you know a monologue on these things. We do try to illustrate those answers um, quite deeply. Um, something else as well. I mean, I think this is quite nice that we have been invited to talk at um, a fairly prestigious um, conference. This is in um, 
Boston in May. It's kind of interesting because when I look at many of the speakers, actually I know these people, that's why obviously you, you do get invited. Um, but it's being held in Boston at um, MIT, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And ZP will be talking um, really about um, the troubles, or trials and tribulations of doing um, wearable biosensors. So I do look forward to um, speaking at that conference. So at the same time, then we're also saying to, we're, we're going to reach out to people and say, look, we're in Boston. That's the East Coast of the USA, obviously, on the week starting 22nd of May. And if people want to meet up with us, um, they can meet up with us or they can reach out to us then and we can set up a meeting. So if I was to summarize um, things that we talked about this week, obviously, it's always at ZP. It's a mix of um, fundamental science and commercialization of science. And so um, our microbiosensors have actually made it into 36 um, publications. Great. Um, we've on the more of sort of commercialization, getting that term sent and um, repeatability and reproducibility properly defined, at least in the context of the sensing. This is a mix, I would say, of science and commercialization, you know, talking about how to measure a chili pepper in our um, food sense um, system. Obviously, the weekly webinar. If you've got any questions on Zimmer and Peacock and they're technical in nature, reach out to us and you'll probably find that we'll cover it um, in the weekly webinar. Um, and I think in part, thanks to all the work that we've done in wearables over the years, we've been invited to speak at a conference at MIT um, in May, and we're happy to sort of meet up with people in that um, Boston East Coast um, area um, in the um, USA. So I'll finish it with that. I want to say special thanks to Ali, um, who's recently started kind of um, linking into us on social media and stuff. So we do appreciate it. So I'll say thanks very much. And I want you to have a good week, all of you. And don't forget, we do have our webinar on Thursdays at 8 a.m. London time where we do more, let's say, more of a technical um, discussion. But that's the news from ZP for this week. OK, thanks very much.